I'm Zoraida Cordova, and you're listening to the Clashing Sabers Network. Here we go again. Bypass the compressor. You were the chosen one! Something truly special. Congratulations. You are being rescued. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. The ability to speak might not make you intelligent, but we're going to try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabers podcast. I am your only host today, Brandon, and I am here with a very special guest who is going to help us kick off our new series, Diversity Alliance. That is a uh, deep cut for you young Jedi Knight fans. Miss Bria Lavornia. Hi. I was wondering, as soon as I saw the uh, the title in Skype show up, whether or not that was on purpose. So I'm very glad it was a purposeful reference to oh, the YJK. <laughs> absolutely. I'm in the process of trying to collect all of them without like getting them off of Amazon or eBay or anything, like actually going to bookstores, use bookstores and finding them. I'm three books away, and it's, oh, it's so close. Those were, the, those were like big for my Star Wars fan. They were like the first, like what I consider like real Star Wars books that I read. Like I read some of the younger reader chapter books and stuff, but those were always a little like Hand of Vader or Glove of Vader. Oh, the Glove of Darth Vader. (laughs) Listen, uh, I'm pretty sure that the Lost City of the Jedi is basically canon at this point (laughs) after Rise of Skywalker. Oh my God. (laughs) Can Palpatine. (laughs) So bad. Yeah, there were some garbage but those those were the ones that i first started reading so you were you a fan of the series growing up too then yeah so they were kind of my first real star wars books too if we don't count the uh the jedi prince ones uh and i always (laughs) kevin j anderson has role has like stared at me and been like what the heck when i tell him that the first yjk book i ever read was oh shoot uh, Darkest Night, I think, which is the one where they go to, the, to Kashyyyk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because my grandmother got that and The Emperor's Plague for me because she just, I guess, saw two Star Wars books that looked age appropriate and went, she'll like these. And I just sort of read them and went, okay, cool. And then I found all the other books and I was hooked. Yeah. I. It's funny now being like a teacher because when I was you know, growing up, we had, did you, do you guys have the AR program in your schools? Do you know? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. So basically it's like, it's, they read a book and then they take a quiz on it and they can earn points and stuff like that. And when I was in elementary middle school, when I was doing that was like, right when I started getting into reading the books and I'm an avid reader, I was, that was never a problem, but my mom would always make me make my AR goal before I could read any other books. And none of the Star Wars books were in the program. So I had to read all these other books real quick, so, you know, in eight weeks so that I could make my goal so that I could have one week to read <laughs> Young Jedi Knights. So, yeah, it's, it was very foundational in my fandom, you know, and, and I kind of now I'm going back through the EU and it's cool to kind of just have that new lens on it, you know, with all this new canon. And I didn't really read a lot of the adult EU uh, growing up. Mm-hmm. And so it's cool to see like the stuff that they're pulling in or things like the Night Sisters and stuff that, you know, were created in one way and, you know, used in a different way in another medium. I find that very, very fun. Yeah, definitely. So we got to start with our, our most important question, which is what are you Star Warsing lately? 
so I just got back from Galaxy's Edge about a week and a half ago. <laughs> yeah. That is basically all I will talk about to anyone lately. Like a coworker came in my office and the next thing I knew I was giving him like a 10 minute blow by blow of building my lightsaber. Uh, no one's going to talk to me at work soon. It's going to be interesting. But yeah, that's if anyone have you gone to Galaxy's Edge yet? I have not. So I'm getting married in a couple months and then we're going to Europe for our honeymoon and then going to celebration. So I'm pretty poor right now. Uh, understandable. I will just say when you get the chance to go to Galaxy's Edge, it's magical and amazing. And it's going to sound bad when I say it like this, but Batu re-sparked a love of Star Wars, like a pure love for Star Wars that I hadn't felt in a couple of months, especially after how fandom sort of lost its mind after Rise of Skywalker. But like walking around Batu, it was just it was magical. It was amazing. It was everything I dreamed of and then more. Yeah, I'm, I've read like Crash of Fate and Black Spire and I'm huge fans of those books and I want to go and be able to do like everything. Like that's my big thing. I don't want to go and not be able to build a lightsaber or I don't know if I'll do a droid, but you know, I want to have that option, be able to try mm-hmm. all the different foods and stuff like that. So I'm hoping sometime in the next couple of years I'll, I'll be able to go. But what was kind of like the the top thing for you? I think I have an idea what it might be, but I'm going to let you <laughs> Uh, Rise of the Resistance. Yeah, that's that ride. Oh my god, that ride is amazing. I so previously I would have said that the best thing in a Disney park I've ever done and ever would do would be going on Flight of Passage, which is the Avatar ride in Pan in Animal Kingdom. Yeah, this somehow topped it. Like it's I won't spoil it or anything, but it's eighteen and a half minutes experience. You're moving in and out of different different areas of the ride experience and once it gets going it's amazing i oh man i i want to go back and just like ride that ride four more times in a row (laughs) i literally have not heard anybody say even the slightest negative critique of of that ride like I just wish it was longer. Yeah. Like, I just make it an hour. I'm pleased. <laughs> Forget everybody else. I will stay here all day. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, it's exciting, too, because I know kind of the, the Millennium Falcon ride kind of got a, a 50-50 reaction. You know, some people were really into it, and some people were like, mm, it was it was fine. It was there. Um, and I know, like, for example, Adriana was underwhelmed with kind of what there was to, to do there. And she, she goes uh, quite regularly because she lives there. Um, but to have this new addition to the ride and it's like, I think in the long run, it's going to be better for the park, you know, because it's like, okay, you had kind of a a soft opening that was technically the opening, but then you add this other new ride and people get talking about Galaxy's Edge again. And then you add the hotel and people get talking about Galaxy's Edge again. So it's a... In the beginning, I was like, why are you not just having the park completely ready to go? But in retrospect, I think it was a good move because Rise of Resistance is getting people really excited. Oh, yeah. I mean, and then you have to get there before the park even opens to get a chance at getting a boarding group right now. So we got there. We left our hotel around like 545, got there, got through the first layer of security around 610-ish. It was already packed like, there were hundreds of people who got there before us. So I laugh when people are like, oh, Star Wars is dead. I was like, yeah, look at all these people here <laughs> at six in the morning 
to go on this Star Wars ride. Like, yeah, Star Wars is dead, guys. R.I.P. It's hopeless. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I haven't watched any of the like ride throughs or anything like that. Like, don't, I, don't do no, it. I'm not. I am very adamant about like no spoilers on things like this that are like I know are going to be special. Like, I actually did a Twitter thread on this yesterday, but part of the reason I think Tross wasn't as special to me as I had hoped it was, besides some of the problems I had, is I watched the trailers. And solo, I kind of had the same experience. I watched the trailers and I walked out of the theater and I was like, it was it was good, but it's you know. And now I I like it a lot more now that I've watched it more. But so and I started not reading the back of books, not like I haven't even watched the latest Clone Wars trailer because I'm like I'm gonna watch it. Why not just enjoy what's actually there instead of struggling with what my idea of what should be there is? You know those expectations. Yeah. So. I'm I'm thankful that everybody has pretty much kept it under wraps what's on there because I've talked with a few people, you know, Lindsay and, and Adrian and, and some other people who have gone and everybody is saying, you know, you it's just one of the best experiences ever. And so Yeah. It makes the one fun. thing the one thing I will say to anyone it's the one non spoiler thing I will give advice to you guys about is when you get on the shuttle, go try and stand in the middle. It will it will make sense when you see it, but just if you're on the shuttle, try to stand in the middle. All right. Well, you heard it here first, people. Get to the middle. What color was your lightsaber? <laughs> uh, I built a purple one, nice. but I bought I bought a bunch of extra crystals because I couldn't not do that. <laughs> That's fair. I really want the Ahsoka sabers, the mm-hmm. white ones. Oh. But I don't know. Like I would literally just walk around with them all the time. I don't know if I could ever get another job or anything. They'd be like, why is that thing attached to your belt? Uh, what? I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, my lightsaber is sitting on the ground like two feet behind me, so I can't judge. That, yeah. I mean, I, God, it's just like it's literally a dream come true to like not just get a lightsaber. Like I have mm-hmm. li- a lightsaber. It's awesome. Yeah. I love turning it on. I love swinging, you know, all that stuff. But it's I imagine it's like a completely different experience when you actually get to make your own lightsaber. Yeah, and they did a. It's something else I would suggest not looking up spoilers for, except for if you're bad decisions like I am. Look at what the four kits are, um, because everything about that experience they did so well with. Uh, even one part where I was like, "How the heck are they going to make this part work in 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 canon and not break the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Break the magic." Yeah, and they pulled it off, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Well, and it's cool to think, too, like, if we get some of these rumored things like, you know, a, a Knights of the Old Republic something or other, you know, maybe Project Luminous seems to be attached to the Force, and we get, like, new lightsaber lore like we did with Ahsoka's uh, novel, Ooh. if they add some things to that, you know, again, to kind of draw people who've maybe already built their lightsaber back in, you know, modifications, um, you know, double-bladed, like, there's so many possibilities with it and, yeah. and you know especially with um uh i'm in like the last 30 minutes of watching through uh fallen order but the lightsaber lore that's in there like adds a lot to it too so it's exciting have you looked at the kits that they have yet uh i did when they first announced it but i don't really remember anything they've got one one in there that'll you'll appreciate as a young jedi knight fan okay yeah you're just toying with me 
let me just put it this way. If they ever come out with a turquoise crystal, it will be very difficult for me to not want to go back and build a different saber. Oh, absolutely fair. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm pretty much like... I'm pretty much expecting to be able to go like one time in my life and just yeah. go ham, you know, uh, just completely do a- absolutely everything that I want to. So I don't know. I, ma- I made the mistake of getting married and now I can't go. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, at least, hey, at least celebration's coming up. I'm very excited. This will be my first celebration, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, I've That's never awesome. been before. And we were so everybody on the team are my groomsmen for my wedding and we were planning on celebration as my bachelor party because it was, we mm-hmm. figured it would be April or whatever. I'm getting married in June. So now I'm having a post marriage bachelor party, which is just an excuse for me to spend money to go to celebration. Uh, so I'm very excited for, for that because it's like, I not only get to experience it for the first time, you know, and I've heard so many things about it, but I get to experience mm-hmm. it with my best friends, you know, uh, I, yeah, I'm just, that's awesome it's so cool like and with with everything that is like on the the precipice right now like i was just listening to uh sith talk and they mentioned how you know with with uh mandalorian season two coming out in october there's a good chance there'll be one where we get to see the first episodes of that oh yeah definitely i mean i'd be surprised if they don't do that honestly i i think you kind of like you have to I mean, if it's that close that you have it coming out, I mean, it's not like, it's not, well, I guess there could be something, the level of Baby Yoda in episode one, but didn't they show episode one uh, during no. Celebration Last No. It was no, just a we got, we, no, so we got some, a trailer and we got a little bit of footage that was... I'm trying to remember when in the first episode it started, but we got a lot of the conversation between the Mandalorian and the client. Mm. Um, I don't remember if we got any of his conversation with grief or not, but we got, we got some of that. I remember it was, there was something about the Kowaki monkey lizards. I know that was kind of the thing that leaked out. Yeah. We, yeah, we saw him walking to meet the client and then some of the conversation. Oh man, this show is so good. So good. I love it. Uh, Okay, well, we're going to get ready to uh, jump into our topic tonight. But before we do that, Adriana has made it to the show. So, Adriana, say hello to everybody. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Um, So, jumping into um, Diversity Alliance Episode 1, we are going to be looking at people of color as our topic. And so we're going to take a quick break and come right back after this. Aiden Versio struck a chord with fans everywhere, but for one in particular, a very special cosplay relationship was formed. Chaos Bria is a cosplayer from Virginia, and she was the first person to cosplay as Aiden Versio. I talked to her about what it was like to make the costume of a character who we'd only seen glimpses of at the time, and the unique challenges that came with that. I've personally never done that before, so I was curious about Bria's drive and passion for Aiden. You were the first Aiden Versio cosplayer. 
That's what I'm told, and that's what Janita wrote in my copy of Battlefront. <laughs> that's crazy. Why did you choose to do that? Del Rey announced an Inferno Squad book back in February, mm -hmm. and me being my snarky self, I tweeted them saying, are there gonna be some cool Imperial ladies in this for me to cosplay as? Little did I know that the editor who runs the social media account sent that tweet to Mitch Dyer, one of the people writing uh, Battlefront 2. Mm -hmm. And Mitch kept that tweet <laughs> up until they announced uh, Battlefront 2 at Celebration, at which point he then tweeted me and said, Hi, Bria. Meet Aiden Versio. I hope you love her. And I did. <laughs> All right. We are back, and I am very excited about this new series that we are doing called Diversity Alliance because we are going to be looking at diversity in Star Wars, in Star Wars fandom, what it means, how we can support it, improve it, all of those kind of things. And I'm really excited because, especially um, kind of right now where my life is at, because I am, I'm doing a whole um, Black History unit with my students at school and working with them a lot on not judging the past, but just understanding the past and learning the lessons from the past without, you know, trying to put your own opinion onto the history, which I think is, is something we do far, far too often. And um, so kind of working with them on that has got me thinking a lot about how how can we do that? How can we support diversity? How can we get this this next generation of, of Star Wars fans and people to be able to have rational conversations about how things can get better without devolving into name-calling and screaming matches on Twitter. And um, so this this ride through, we're not sure how many episodes it's going to be. Um, we've got some lined up, and, and we'll just kind of see how far we can take it. But if you have, um, before we kind of jump into the topic, if you have any particular uh, aspect of diversity that you would like us to discuss, please make sure you email us at clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com or... Uh, DM me on Twitter at Clashing Sabers, and, and I can look into adding that to the series. But I'm really excited to start off today with you two ladies because uh, I just I, I respect your opinion so much. And Bria, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but when I got onto Star Wars Twitter, you were like one of the first people I followed who uh, discussed these these topics, and it really opened my eyes because, like, I joke all the time, I'm just a middle class white dude who like I didn't really ever have to think about these kind of things um, before I started working in primarily Hispanic communities and started becoming uh, more involved with the Star Wars fandom because I was insulated. Um, and so it was just never something that really came to, my, came to mind for me because it's not anything I had to deal with. So I'm excited to learn from you guys and from all of our, our future conversations um, about how to be a, a better supporter of diversity. So Bria, kind of take us through what diversity means to you and and why it why does it matter why is it so important for us to have it I'm just pulling out the big gun questions to start with aren't we <laughs> yeah oh yeah no I don't, <laughs> no softballs here uh so i think diversity to me as far as star wars goes means being able to see see the world around us reflected on the screen and not seeing mostly just white faces mixed in with aliens. Um, that's actually some uh, issue I had to deal with back when I was in my tiny baby blogger days where people were like, oh, but there's aliens, that's diversity. And I'd be like, not so much when it's mostly people of color being painted different colors to be Twi'leks. Um, and I would say diversity is important to me because number one, 
I'm a woman. I'm half Asian. That's not Star Wars has not always been the best about putting women in roles. And it definitely hasn't been the best about letting us see people of color on the screen. Although obviously the sequel trilogy has done a hugely better job at that. Um, so I guess to, to me, it's important because I, I like being able to see people who look like me, who look like my family on the screen. I like being able to see the representation that I see within my own social circles. And it's important because there are kids who watch these movies growing up. Uh, a lot of us who were younger when the prequels came out, Padme was hugely influential on us. And all you have to do is walk around a convention now and see all the little kids to whom Ray and Finn and Poe and Rose mean the world to them. And that's diversity right there. And that's the importance of it. So what do you say then to the, the people who say, well, you should, relate to people you know relate to these characters based on their actions and who they are internally and not so much on how they look i would send that right back to them because usually it's a white guy saying that um aka the people who have always seen themselves represented on the screen who have always seen themselves represented in the stories that they care about uh when and yes, I have related to a lot of white characters over the years. Leo Organa will always relate to her. However, it's more than that. It's a more complex issue than people like to try and make it. And I would, in turn, challenge these people to find a way to relate to characters like Finn and Rose and to stop yelling about, oh, diversity is bad, actually. And, and can I just throw in that? Because these characters are white, their experiences are not the same as any person of color's experience at all. So, yes, there are things that may be very similar, but, like, at the end of the day, my experience as a Latina is very different from that of a white white person or from that of Bria because she's a, uh, half Asian. So it's very hard to say, oh, just see yourself in these characters when... Their backgrounds, their history, their, the choices they make have not been influenced by what they would have gone through had they been a person of color. Yeah, I mean, admittedly, I was one of those people who was just like, uh, well, you just relate to, to the character. Because again, I never came at it from a, a point of diversity is bad or uh, an aspect of, of hate or any kind of anger. It was just a complete lack of even knowing I needed to be aware of it as, a, as an issue. Um, because like for me, I've always related to female characters a lot more than I have male characters uh, like Ahsoka, like Rey, like Leia. And as I thought on it, as I started to, to grow and learn more, I realized the reason that I could do that was because I had Luke, I had Han, I had, you know, all the Anakin, Obi-Wan. I had all these characters who looked like me, so I knew, like, okay, I can be that person. You know, I can be, look like that person, but then behave like this person. Um, have you guys, I guess, kind of found that as, as something of a challenge to kind of have a, a person of your skin color who you also want to to be like or is that something that has kind of gone hand in hand as diversity has has improved 
Bri, I'll throw it to you first because I, 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 oh. I, I kind of know your, your answer here. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming I, I was going to try and be good and not mention item Versia for once in my life. But... No, do not do that <laughs> on this podcast. We don't need that negativity here. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not subtle at all if anyone follows me on Twitter about what <laughs> Iden Versio and what Dr. Afra have meant to me over the last couple of years. Um, I basically cried when they first introduced Iden at Celebration because even though Janina is, is Indian and I am half Asian or half Chinese, uh, it was the first time that I could really recall seeing a character well not the first time because Sabine was was there but like it was one of the first times I was like oh my god she looks like me uh this is a costume I can pull off and here we are several years later where I am routinely told you kind of look a lot like I did Versio <laughs> <laughs> which is my favorite thing to do because I just pull out one of my training cards and go uh-huh what's this place I've considered the possibility uh yeah it's crossed my mind yeah, I mean, I know even for like for like characters like Sabine or Aiden, like I hadn't even, I guess, considered uh, their race because I, I, I don't know, it just never it never came to mind. And so I remember last time you were on the show, you brought that up, and it just completely blew my mind. I was like, wow, that's it's so cool that like it's starting to happen in a way where it's not being thrown up in the fate in in our faces, so that it feels like they're doing it just to get the approval. It, it feels like it's it's kind of happening, maybe not at the speed we would want, but it's happening where they're just presenting it as this is normal, not like something we should be, you know, what am I trying to say? I don't think they ever necessarily did that or not so much. I mean, I remember with Sabine when they first introduced her, the big question on Twitter was those of us being like, please tell us she's human and not an alien. Please tell us she's human and not an alien. We've been burned before. Um, and then being relieved when I think it was, it might've been Pablo Hidalgo or Matt Martin said, no, she's human. She's meant to be multiracial. Yes. And we were just like, oh, thank you, God. Um, but that was something we had to ask about specifically yeah. on Twitter. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Adriana, for you, like, what has the experience like trying to match, you know, the physical appearance of a character that looks like you with the the internal uh, behavior and actions of said character? Um, for me, it hasn't happened yet. Um, and I say this because we have a lot of male representation as far as like Poe Dameron, Bale Organa, but there has yet to be a brown skin who is very obviously um, Lanex on on screen. And, and it's really, I'm hoping, I'm looking really uh, forward and hoping that we get some with the Cassian Andor series because that's the perfect opportunity. Um, I know there's already like some buzz on Twitter. There's a character, her name's supposedly Luna, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed that maybe she looks like me um, because that's something I haven't seen on screen yet. Um, and I would like to, I mean, it's great that we have Oscar I Isaac and Diego Luna, but there needs to be, I'm a woman, so I need to see some women up there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, diversity, you know, is such a, 
I guess, diverse thing, for lack of a better term. Like, it's not just women. It's not just people of color. It's not just, you know, trans, homosexual. Like, you can't just, like, categorize it because people are so much more than that, you know? Um, so you can't, I guess, say, like, oh, well, you're Latina, but you've, you've got all these male characters, so that should be, you know, good enough for you. Aren't you excited about Poe? But, like, well, yes, but no. There's also, there's more aspects to it. So when, when we're thinking about, like, those aspects and stuff that, you know, you kind of want brought into Star Wars, who are some characters outside of Star Wars that you've looked up to that look like you that you've connected with and, and why did you connect with them? Uh, Adriana, why don't you go first on this one? Oh, this is very easy for me to answer. Um, I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine um, and they have Stephanie Beatrice and, um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting her name. Uh, but, Melissa. Uh, Fumero, yes, Melissa yes. Fumero. She plays Amy Santiago and that show like is so like was so important for me and so huge and I remember even like Stephanie Beatrice was like freaking out because she thought they were she thought oh my god there's two of us one of us is gonna get fired there's no way the two of us are gonna end up on screen together and that was like a that's like a real fear that she had you know that oh there's one of us they've checked the box off like let's um let you know and and that didn't happen, you know, and they're still on there and they're representing two very tight, different uh, types of people. Like Rose's is really extremely hardcore. Uh, she will kick you in the face and you'll like it type of character. And then you have Amy, who's just this big, huge, giant organizational freak nerd. And to see them, they're they're obviously both Latina, but they're very different. It's so beautiful. And they are friends on the show there's no um fighting between them and it's just it's very unique to see some to see women on screen who are supporting each other as opposed to you know fighting over a guy or being enemies and so definitely Brooklyn Nine-Nine um all around that that show has just been um just beautiful to watch for everything that they do it's crazy to think that like just the idea that comes to their mind first is that like one of them is going to be fired because you can't have both of them on screen. Cause I remember uh, Drew and Lindsay just interviewed EK Johnston and she was talking about uh, one of the characters from the Ahsoka novel is um, a person of color and she's queer and people's initial like thing was like, thank you for not killing her. You know, thank you for not killing her. And EK was just saying like, that's a really low bar for, you know, what you expect out of, you know, said character. Um, yeah, man, got to raise the bar. Got to raise the bar. Hopefully this will do this. <laughs> Bria, uh, for you, like, I know you're a fan of, of many things outside of just <laughs> star Wars. Uh, there's a, a few tweets that come to mind. So who are some characters that, look like you who you've been able to connect with outside of star wars i would say uh daisy johnson on agents of shield um yeah because chloe bennett like me is half chinese and i remember seeing her be cast and when they said when they put out that initial picture from season one of the six main characters and i was like holy crap a third of this cast are asian women holy crap um so related to that 
uh, I've always I've always loved Daisy. And then I've always loved and appreciated Marissa Tantron, who is one of the people who runs that show. Um, she's a total badass. and I love everything she's ever done. And she's always very aware of representation and uh, making sure people can see themselves on the screen. Also, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Brooklyn Nine-Nine they- influenced Black Spire, thinking about Ga- uh, Galaxy's Edge there. Did you guys, did you hear that? Uh, uh, yeah, Delilah S. Dawson said that yeah. she was watching it. Well, yeah, that's good stuff. So, Adriana, you brought this up in, in your answer to the last question about, you know, not just checking a box. And, and that's a, a an idea that comes up a lot when we're talking about diversity is, is the idea of not just checking off a box. So, can you kind of like explain what exactly that means and, and why when we're having this conversation about diversity and, and looking at representation that that is, is not a, a good aspect of the conversation? Um, so the idea of checking a box is just pretty much a way, like I see it as a way for um, studios or whoever is developing these things to, to kind of like, okay, we've got a, we've got that. Let's check it off the box. So that way we can say we did it, give ourselves a pat on the back. And um, that's not how it should be. Um, It should be, uh, there's a lot, like people are like, Oh, well it should be uh, given to the, to the, to the person who best fits the role, the best actor. And the, the reality is that the people are choosing not to see these actors because there, there are so many people who have this dream to be celebrities. They want to be in movies. They want to be, they're out there. And the, the fact is that they're not getting the opportunity to be seen. And so when you're not seeing them and you're not giving them the opportunity, then obviously they're not there. Then you can't say that the best person got the role. Um, that makes that makes sense. Like you can't you it's not just like a, a chore to be done, you know? Yeah. Um, and so obviously it goes into see like so when we were. I don't know if you guys follow any of the, like the Disney news stuff, but when they were um, bringing the live action Aladdin, um, a lot of the the rumors of why it was being held up was because they couldn't find someone who looked like Aladdin who could sing, which is just ridiculous to me because I mean the whole concept of Bollywood exists and Bollywood like has obviously brown people and they're all singing so the fact that they said that they couldn't find anybody to fit um what they wanted in aladdin was just like a ridiculous concept to me uh and so it's really just opening doors letting these people who want to audition audition and then actually going for the people who are the best for the position and and like i said it's it's a matter of like opening those doors because I, I didn't end up majoring in theater in college, but I was a theater uh, for a while, a short theater, a short while, a theater major. And in reality, our theater department 
because of the area that we're that we're in, there was a lot of people of color and white people were not as frequent. So there were so many people who auditioned for these roles and we did Shakespeare and, you know, all these people of color were the only ones who auditioned. So they, of course, got the role. Um, so it's a, it's just a matter of opening opening those doors and saying, okay, let's audition these people. Um, as opposed to just, okay, let's look for one person to fit this part and it having be the same person over and over again. Um, because that happens a lot too. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and, and the argument there is, you know, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I don't actually believe this, but the argument is like, oh, you should just not even consider race or anything like that. Um, but the reality is, like, that's something that people consider. Uh, that's something that people look at and something that fans look for. And I've always said that, you know, for me, the goal of, of bringing diversity into just our world in general, but specifically Star Wars, is that we should, we should get to the point where we don't even have to talk about diversity because it's just such a natural thing that people don't even have to, like, people of color, queer, whatever it may be, don't even have to think about, you know, well, are they, are we getting these auditions? Are we on screen? You know, it just, that it, it, it would be there. nice. Is it, but, yeah. So, so Bria, but, is, that, is that, am I, am I right on that? Like, that should be, like, the I goal, mean, or am I off base there? Sh- yes. In a perfect world, that is absolutely how it works. However, <laughs> we do not live in a perfect world. Mm. Um, and part of the problem comes back to, and, I'll, and this is going back five minutes, but uh, this is not the problem, but think the word you're looking for earlier was intersectionality, where diversity can't just be like checking that one box. You have to take other aspects of who people are into account. Um, but my point here is that the big problem is that white is seen as the default, which just should not be the case. Uh, if if you look around at other other media, so for example... Um, a lot of people, when we read the Hunger Games, pictured Katniss as being a person of color or at least mixed race person of color. And the idea of that just just floored some fans or go, no, how dare that happen? And then when they cast the movie, even though within the text, Rue is described as being dark skinned, you had all these people who were just mad because how dare the sweet girl be a black girl? Um and I will say there's a couple of authors or writers and creators who do a very good job within Star Wars of making it a point to not have just white as the default. Uh, the person who comes to mind immediately is Greg Pak, who is currently writing uh, Darth Vader and was previously wrote the last arc of the Star Wars comic. I noticed that in his comics, a lot of the, you know, the side characters tend to be Asian. And I believe he does that on purpose that's the instruction he gives to the artist so that way you know this random dude who's flirting with leia could have easily just been another white guy but the creative team makes it a point to show that diversity on the page um obviously that's easier to do in a drawn medium than in a written medium but people absolutely notice when authors go out of their way or not say out of their way, but they make a point to say, okay, you know, this character is not just, is not white. Well, and I know for lost stars, um, oh man, how did I just completely blank on her name? The, the lead girl in lost stars. 
Sienna. Sienna. Thank you. When because I'm I'm terrible about remembering like when I'm reading, remembering what characters look like. Um, and so I, I read Lost Stars, and I don't know why in my head she was a white redheaded girl. And then I saw fan art of her being African-American and I was like, oh, that's cool. They did like an interpretation of her, you know, as more diverse. I was like, that's, that's pretty cool that, you know, we can do that. That's a badass piece of art. And then I went back and read it the next time. I was like, oh, oh. So that's the thing though, is a lot of people, not to pick on you for being the token white guy right now, (laughs) but like that, that is something that a lot of white people will do when they read. Whereas those of us, so uh, I'll take another Claudia Gray book as an example, Bloodline. There are two characters in that who via her, the fan casting she did, she confirmed as being East Asian. So, but when I was reading the book, I hadn't seen the fan cast yet. And I got to Carice and I was reading the description of Carice and I'm like, oh yeah, she's Asian. Like definitely based upon this description. And then, uh, oh, what's that nice one? Uh, Ty Lin, Ty, the other Senator. Yeah. I'm blanking I, on. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I think it's yeah. Ty Lin. Yeah. Who she also described as being Asian. And the interesting thing to me is I ran I ran a poll about a year or so after that book came out. And I said, based upon the description of what you were reading in Bloodline, did you read Carice as being Asian? And I did the same thing the other way around. And more people picked up on the senator, the other senator, as being Asian because of the, uh, for lack of a better term, context clues with his name than they did for Carice. However, a lot of the other Asian people who I talked to, we all picked up pretty darn fast based upon the description that Carice was a person of color. And I think that's something that a lot of us will do when we are reading the text, whether it's uh, racial diversity or um, figuring out if a character is queer. We will, we will search for those context clues, and we will pick up on them. Uh, another example is Afra. <laughs> there was a line early on in the, I think it was... I want to say it was from the cross, the first crossover they, they did, the Vader down one, where she like crosses paths with Sana and she says something, and I'm like, she's at least bisexual. I, yeah, absolutely. And there were so many other people who read that and were like, wait, what? I, I don't know. So I think it has to do a lot with what you bring in with you and whether you're, you've kind of had to be trained to always be looking for those signs, if that makes sense. No, it makes total sense. And I know like, you joke about you know me being the token white guy, but like that, literally the the lost star situation is something that opened my eyes to how much I need to actually, you know, slow down and pay attention to these things because not just for you know out of respect of fellow fans, but just it it changes the conversations that we have around these stories, you know, because um, c- kind of like you guys talked about they're not going to go through the same struggles that uh, you know a white person m- might go through. Uh, so no, I, I absolutely appreciate that. And I'm glad that, I'm glad that these characters are here, but I I feel like we're, they're not doing enough yet by you even having to think about that, you know, like even having to search for those clues. I I mean, that's just something I will, it's something I will always do. And it's something that I think that I, uh, how the media we consume it's what we've had to do over the years and obviously it's not ideal but also like 
given the example you just brought up of Lost Stars and what I said before with the Hunger Games, people are always going to miss things. Oh, yeah. And it, and it kind of has to be a, yes, sometimes we have to to talk about these things and bring them up so people are, are clearer on it. Yeah, no, I, com- I completely agree. Like, again, part of the reason I'm, I'm so excited about this series is because I, like, even just on here, I've learned so much from you guys. Like, I get to sit back and, and learn these things. And I, I appreciate that, like, we can have a, a, a rational conversation around it, you know, without just, like, that. I think that's a, a big important thing is not just middle-class white dudes showing respect to other people, but, like, as we bring in more diversity, we should be celebrating these things together, you know? And um, I know, like, I'm a lot more, since I, I've kind of followed you, Bria, and we've talked a few times, like, I look for, like, in the, the Star Wars comic, the uh, the Asian guy who was um, flirting with Leia that you brought up. I forget his name. Like, Star champion. Yeah, yeah. I was like, besides his name, just being weird. But I was like, oh, yeah, that's super cool. Um, so... Yeah, it is something we need to be be more aware of and, and something we need to have a conversation about when when either there are these misconceptions out there or um, people are, are just not, I guess, realizing what is either there or the lack thereof um, as, we, as we continue. I just, so I'm a teacher uh, like Brandon and something that, I was thinking about that you said. Um, so, Brandon, I don't know about your school district, but in mine, teachers have to, uh, uh, when there are new teachers, they have to go through induction. And one of the steps is taking specific seminars. And one of the seminars is culturally responsive pedagogy. And what they talk about in that seminar is that, you know, in the past, the teachers were told, oh, you need to be colorblind. Um, and obviously that wasn't working and they're moving away from that. And they want us to um, look at our students, look at their backgrounds and that changes that should definitely have an impact impact on how we like ch- teach these students. What do you find inspiring about Aiden Bosia? The fact that she's a woman of color in a position of power kicking butt. We're obviously not in control of Lucasfilm and and who they choose to get to write, who they get to direct, who they get on screen, all of those things. How can we kind of respectfully push for them to to bring in more diversity? Help those of us asking for it. Um, Okay, so so here's an example. the one thing that will make me lose my temper the fastest at this point is when someone comes into my timeline and tells me there's no Asia in space. Thank you, Einstein. I appreciate (laughs) that astounding observation. Um, But it's seeing things like, like that. And it's the part where those of us asking for diversity shouldn't just be in the minority. Now, there's a line to walk here because... Part of it should be when I'm saying, like, help us and also, like, raise your voice in support of it. You don't want to talk over those of us who who are tied a little bit more tightly to these issues. Uh, some of it has to do with elevating voices and then some of it has to do with supporting. Um, but it shouldn't just be a, you know, uh, 
asking for for diversity when it comes to queer characters shouldn't just fall on the LGBTQ plus community. Asking for more minority characters shouldn't just fall on those of us who are people of color. Just if that's reasonable. No, uh, okay, so that another one. Uh, I'll flat out say, like, I started writing on StarWars.com because one of my friends who is a white guy helped helped make get me there to talk about Dr. Afra. Um, because he knew that she was important to me because, you know, part Asian, also queer. He was like, no, I shouldn't be the one writing about this here. Let me see what I can do to help you along the way. Uh, because diversity d- is important, not just on the screen, but also when he's creating. Yeah, I, I mean, and I think there we need to be careful to like, like you mentioned, having, you know, a white guy, your friend helping you get on to StarWars.com, but not approaching it as like i'm gonna help diversity and i'm the great white hope that's gonna you know be who the one who actually makes this happen but it's like no we need to like be hand in hand helping each other and and like you said not the phrase is i think i think the common phrase that people use is sending the elevator back down yeah to try and help other people yeah get to the point where you are adriana where you can come in on that uh, I think it's it's a very tricky tricky thing to do um, because there is like uh, Bria mentioned the possibility of you or not you specifically but of people who want to help but then kind of overshadowing us um, and so I think really um, I think the first thing is like maybe ask first like hey. Uh, can I do this to help you guys out or what can I do? Um, and, and then no, that way everyone's on the same page. Um, and I think it's, it really comes down to just acknowledging and, you know, course correcting if someone comes at you and says, Hey, this is problematic and being accepting of that and not like getting on the defensive, which I know is really hard to do on Twitter because everybody's default on Twitter is like attack, it feels like. Um, but yeah, definitely just just saying, okay, thank you for letting me know. What can I do to fix it or how can I make it better? Um, I think is really just the best way. So to kind of like put like a real example on that, just to kind of make sure I'm, I'm thinking in the right direction. So the book we're reading right now in class has a particular religion. I'm not going to say it, but that I adamantly disagree with and have serious problems with how they, they treat um, their people. But one of my students is a part of that religion. And so I pulled her aside the other day and I said, am I doing an okay job of respecting your religion as because the character is having struggles with her in the book in with her identity if she's going to be a part of this like her family wants her to be or not um on top of many other identity issues and so i've asked you know am i being respectful of this you know you know you can tell me if i say something that does not seem respectful or whatever you know kind of thing and so we were able to have a, a good discussion you know about that and i like is that kind of the approach to take there of just like having that conversation of saying like, like you said, how can I help? But then also like 
when you do help, checking in and seeing if you're doing it the right way? Uh, I, I, <laughs> I don't want to speak for everybody, but I feel like for me, that's, that's the best way because I mean, yeah, like we, you don't want to step on our toes. You don't want to overshadow us. You don't want to become this person who is like, so I'm, I'm like the great white savior. So I think that's just a, yeah. Like just asking, um, it's such a simple concept. I don't know. Like if it, if I can make it any clearer than that, like just, just ask, I'm, I'm, I'm willing, I'm open to answer any questions. I'm willing to, to share how I want you to help me. Um, because I, I certainly can't do it. I certainly can't do it alone. We can't do it alone. We need help. Well, and I know, like, Bria, last time you were on and we were talking about Aiden and, and Battlefront, you know, you brought up her being uh, Asian. Uh, and, like, I was like, whoa, I never even realized that. And, like, you, I really appreciated how you, like, didn't judge me for that or, you know, the conversation didn't really change based on the fact that I had missed that. But it was like you opened my eyes to something and, and then it kind of changed our conversation about it a little bit. So, like... What's the best approach just for, for I guess, from your point of view? Again, this is all, all just our point of views. But from people of color to encourage white guys, white people to whatever it may be, to become a part of that. Does that make sense? It does, but also that shouldn't be on us. Like, okay, fair. I can't, <laughs> I can't make people want to be to be better yeah like that sounds i know that sounds really harsh but like i I, but it's true but it's it's different when like they come to us and they're like okay how can i that's different than us being like you need to do this you need to do that because that's we can't do that (laughs) yeah and more often than not if i if i picked a random white guy who follows me on twitter and was like, hey, you need to advocate for more diversity. That will just go horribly <laughs> so fast. Uh, send him running into the arms of the fandom menace. Um, I, I, I can't, I don't know how to teach empathy. I don't know how to teach being willing to listen to those around you. Um, I would say that if, if this is something you care about, look at your friend group. If you, if most of you are the people you know and you talk to on a regular basis are like straight white guys, be cognizant of that and be aware that's probably what has, this is going to sound like I'm making a pun, but I swear I'm not, uh, colored your worldview. A lot of, a lot of how people recognize things is that, again, the world around them, who you surround yourself with. I know at least some of my friends who are white guys they started coming from a different background and now after you know talking to me talking to some of their other friends they are much more on board with the yeah no like this is important this is stuff we should be fighting for well i mean that's that's me like i mean you know studies have shown that you are you become like the excuse me i'm gonna try that again uh studies have shown that you are like the 10 people you spend the most time with so all of those people look exactly like you like no matter who you are, what race, what what denomination of religion, sexual orientation, like it's gonna it's gonna change your perception if if everybody is exactly like you are, you know. It just doesn't open your eyes to new things. And I want to 
like I want to be clear because I know I can speak for you guys on this. Like we're not demonizing, you know, white men, you know, white men who are in fandom, any of that. Fandom menace, yes, that we absolutely condemn. Those, yes, absolutely, they're terrible. Ah. But it's like it's like we just need to have these conversations so that, for lack of a better term, people like me can can become more aware of either a what we're doing that is is good to support that or b what we're not doing to support that or actively go against it essentially you have to be willing to take the first step like i can't it's like the whole lead a horse to water thing you can't make them drink so you we can tell people as much as we want but until someone is actually willing to actively listen and to actively do something different there's nothing you can do except to keep for those of us to keep on fighting the good fight and and hopefully you know like again the voices will be raised and people's eyes will be opened you know I, the future generations are are going to be raised in hopefully a world that's more diverse than we are and then their the next generation is going to be even more diverse um in terms of like what we see on screen so bria how has how has being a person of color being a woman how how has that influenced your fandom I don't think I understand the question. <laughs> like the way you phrased it. <laughs> yeah. So how has being, you know, a person of color changed how you has it influenced how you approach the Star Wars story in terms of like what you look for in the actual narrative itself? I don't really know what to say because like who I am as a person will always influence what I bring to a story going in. I mean, I, no, but no, no, no that, that's Andy, if you have a better answer, you want to go first. Please okay. It, okay. Um, so for me, um, it is, it's about, yes, the answer is yes. It definitely has influenced, um, my, like who I look for, like, as far as who I surround myself, especially on Twitter, um, I, I'm trying to surround myself with people who have very similar um like mindsets as me who may read the story similarly to myself um I as far as like oh perfect example so when I was first uh getting into Star Wars podcast um like when you search Star Wars in iTunes like the first the first show that pops up is um Rebel Force Radio um and yeah, and I listened to it and I absolutely was like, this is boring. I hate this. Like, I, and I just, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. Um, and I don't know how it happened, but I randomly um, encountered uh, Book Wars Pod. And uh, Book Wars Pod really just like opened up my eyes to what kind of podcasting that I was able to like find and able to like really enjoy. And actually, Book Wars Pod led me uh, to Clashing Sabers because they they uh, one of the hosts, uh, Kate, she did an interview with Ash when Ash was doing Starships, and so I was like, oh, I'm gonna listen to this because Kate was on it, and so. Kate um, and Ash did their episode, and I listened listen to Ash's episode, and I was like, oh, I'm going to go back and listen to all these things, and I started listening to you guys, and I really enjoyed your content, and so 
you know, it's it definitely influences what content I want to interact with and be involved with. And, you know, the 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 reality is for me, it I have a lot of people blocked. Um, I have a lot of people I don't hear a lot of the other voices in fandom that I see other people like will be talking about because I have chosen very specifically what I I what how I want to receive my Star Wars content and who I want to interact. Yeah, I mean that it's important, right? Like you you want people who you know are not going to condemn you who are not going to look down on you for whatever. Yeah. You know it is. Yeah. Bria, I think I figured out a better way to fr- like phrase okay. what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh like are there any values or traditions or parts of your culture that are important to you that or that you look for to be reflected in Star Wars? Uh not particular I, well, yes and no, I guess not particularly. Um I mean it was Sabine and her family with her clan. The family stuff there was important to me. But I don't know. That's that's a hard question for me to answer because it. <sighs> well, it's it's kind of hard when it's kind of hard when the content is also not there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I is it I, is it one of those things like you don't you won't know you want it until you see it or? I mean, I always would like to see it reflected, but I think I I think. I look for cultural stuff a little bit more in not Star Wars, I guess. Um, I look for it more in the fantasy fantasy series I read there. But yeah, it's 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 hard to say. I mean, like for me, it's it's seeing it's more seeing people who look like me on screen. I mean, I was I was very lucky that I got to write an essay for the Rose Chico comic for Marvel. Where they just let me go full, and this is how I phrase it, crying Asian girl um, in that essay I wrote. Because it, I had no idea if they were going to approve it when I first submitted it to them. And it was just me saying that I just broke into tears at Celebration Orlando when Kelly Marie Tran walked on the stage and they introduced her. Um, and we got to see everything related there because... I was like, oh, my God, those she looks like my mom and my mom's family. I've never seen this on live action screen before. Um, So, yeah, I bring that with me, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I know I know for me reading that essay was I mean, it was very well written, first of all, but also it was was impactful to to know how much that meant to somebody, you know, Um, in, in the same way that like not in the same way. Like for me, you know, Ahsoka coming back at at the end of season four of Rebels, like that was my moment of like, holy cow, like my hero is still there. And and so that's kind of how I related to it, even though it's not like on the same level. But like it did. It really impacted me to to know that something that seems, I guess, to me, seems like okay you brought in this really good actress who you know is probably going to do a great job in the movie which she did but to know that like there are people out there who are experiencing these things at different levels i think is very eye-opening 
I don't think um, people realize um, how how important that stuff is because similar to Bria, when we got Cassian and he had the same accent that my dad has, it was just like... He like it, I, I. There are no words to describe the kind of emotion that you that you feel when when something like that happens in something as big as Star Wars. You know, um, there's no words to describe like the look on my grandmother's face when I sat in the theater with her and I explained to her that Poe Dameron was from Guatemala, or Oscar Isaac was from Guatemala. Like, and and I think just have I feel like everybody deserves to have those kind of moments um, because they they mean a lot and they affect us in ways that we can't even, um, well, I can't even, so like Bria's probably better at putting into words, but I can't put into words because of just how much emotion that I have inside of me. It took me 600 words to say it the last time around. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's, it's, I, I think it's one of those things like that is probably beyond words, you know, that that. You- oh, definitely. Yeah. And it's not even something that I think a lot of people who unless you've been in these sort of situations or might one day like you can't really fully describe it. Right. Like there's a there's a difference. Like I I, I appreciate what you said about uh, finding finding a way to relate to that essay via when Ahsoka came back. But it's also not that same. I don't think it hits the same emotion. No, oh, not at all. Not um, at all. And so, and so it's, it's honestly, it's impossible for you to fully understand like how I felt or how Adriana and her family felt when we saw, when we saw Rose or you saw Cassian and you saw Poe, like it's, it's really just one of those things. Like you guys said, there's, there's no words. And I think, like for me like i try to find things like in my own experiences that i can relate to other people's experience so i can try to understand it better but like also being aware of the fact that like i'm never going to be an asian woman so i'm never going to be able to look through that lens i could talk to you every single day about this i could ask you about every single interaction that i have and i still would never be able to have that lens so i think there's it's it's kind of like one of those things where maybe we just need to like sit back and and appreciate the fact that there are these different experiences that people have coming into the story of star wars and as they journey through the story of star wars okay i guess i'm right um (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so I want to thank both of you for for one like as you you know just being friends with the both of you you've continued to open my eyes to um, parts of the story that I'm not aware of wasn't aware of both good and bad things that need to change all of those kind of things but also in like this conversation of just allowing me to kind of evolve my understanding um, in asking questions that don't make sense and stuff as I try to put to words um, you know trying to understand your experiences in this fandom and and in your lives like i it's it's not a, an easy conversation to have because it does it is something that is 
so important to so many people. Like you guys said, it's like it's one of those things that's hard to even put into words, but you have to try to find words for it. So I just wanted to to thank both of you for that. And to kind of close out, just to have a little bit of fun, because we talked about, you know, some heavy stuff here. <laughs> um, we kind of over on Don't Burn the Sacred Text do this thing where we, we do, like, if you want to see, like, a sequel or another thing attached to this book, what would you want to see? So I'm going to kind of spin off of that and say, what is one thing like one place i guess that you would like to see someone who looks like you that they haven't been there yet so what i mean by that is like do you want to see somebody who is a jedi a sith a bounty hunter um a certain type of character a character in a certain type of situation um obviously we want more of them but if you just had one that you got to create what would it be what do you think bria uh <laughs> My answer is kind of snarky. <laughs> Go for it, please. I like snarky. <laughs> can we just bring back Fennec Shand? Like, oh my can God, we yes. not? Can we just Absolutely. not? God, That's not I, snarky. That's just straight facts. I, yeah. I, I mean, if you want something even more controversial, I'm just going to go out and say it. That was episode five. I'm sorry. That was the worst one. They yes, wasted, it was. They wasted a lot of... They, they just wasted. I'm Me so not. mad about it, too. <laughs> so mad. I mean, absolutely. Like, I don't... <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry to Dave Filoni, but... I'm not. I, that, that... I, I hands down to me that was my least favorite episode. I was so bored, and then I was waiting for her the entire time, and then she got there, and then she died. Or well, we don't supposedly. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It was it was pretty upsetting and disappointing. And yes, I'm with you there. <laughs> <laughs> you just you don't waste a great actress like that. Like you just don't. It's like you could have gotten any anyone to play that role, but you got somebody who has a background and a gravitas and, and an ability to just take over when she's on screen. Like she's playing such a different character than she does in Agents of Shield. And oh, she just she loves Star Wars. Like Ming Na Wen has been asking to be like a janitor on screen in Star Wars since Disney bought it, basically. She was just like, I'll do whatever. Just put me in Star Wars. And I'm like, why? Just give me more of her. And this is, I answered the question wrongly and I derailed it. And I'm sorry. No, no. I, I don't think there is a wrong valid. answer. It's valid. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Adriana, you, you spoke earlier about like having Poe, having Cassian. Um, but where would you like to see a Latina woman in Star Wars? So I'm kind of conflicted because I would like to see, I would like to see Sharabe on screen, but also I really want um, something like not, um, not in that, not in this time period, not in this time frame, because uh, that's like post uh, uh, Return of the Jedi. So um, I don't know, like. I, Okay, so I'm going to go back to The Mandalorian because one of my favorite episodes is episode four. And it's just because you see this, like, you see these people on Sorgan and they're just, like, in a village and they're living their lives um, even though there's a, a Star War going on. And it was so just interesting to see how that, that village um, 
functioned and how they how they like interacted and how they had droids but they were still like you know very small so i guess i would like to see um just maybe like a like a planet like with just a whole host of like people that look like Cassie and Andor, or, you know what I mean? Um, maybe like, maybe a, like a, I don't, I don't know what planet Cassian's from, maybe something from his home planet. I think that would be very interesting um, because we don't usually get to see people who are not directly involved in the, in the star war. You know what I mean? We just, we just see the people who are just, but how, how are they living? How is it affecting their lives? You know, what are they doing you know, just to survive. I don't know. I think that would be very interesting to see. No, I think, I think that's awesome. I mean, I think we got kind of part of that in like episode four of Mandalorian, you know, of just like these normal people and then the empire happens and then the empire has gone. Like how do these things affect them? No, that's, I'm here for it. So again, I, thank you both for, for taking the time to come on and have this conversation and, and hopefully you all who are listening, you learned something. Um, I know I did for sure today. And so um, as we continue on this this journey, uh, this Diversity Alliance series, if you have, again, some uh, aspect of diversity um, that you would like us to discuss, please do email us at clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com or uh, DM me at Clashing Sabers. You can also find us over in the Clashing Sabers Star Wars community. Um, and Bria, if they want to to connect with you on Twitter, ask you questions, or just see the great content that you put out, tell them where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at Chaos Bria, where currently I'm tweeting about Pirates of the Caribbean, and usually I tweet about Dragon Age. I really hope no one's looking for Star Wars content for me on Twitter. <laughs> Regardless, it's fun. Like I don't even watch Dragon Age, but or, or play it. I don't. I don't even know what it is, honestly. But it's fun. It's seeing a video. You, okay. It's three video games. <laughs> and it's it's just fun seeing people get. I, I like seeing people get excited about about things that they love. So uh, that's a good time. And also a good time is listening to Starships, which you can of course uh, get by subscribing to the Clashing Sabers Network. But Adriana, tell them where they can connect with you and what you have coming up on deck. Uh, so I am. So I. I recorded my Finpo episode like I talked about last episode. Um, I'm I want to find somebody if anybody wants to uh, DM me. I really want to talk about Omera and Dinjarin uh, for the next episode. So if anybody's up for that, uh, hit me up at Celestial Intent on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm also in the Facebook group, so you can find me there as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And make sure you click that subscribe button so that you can get all of our shows, including uh, Mark's Forever Star Wars and Lindsay and I on Don't Burn the Sacred Text. It's all in one nice little feed for you. So um, we appreciate you listening. And until next time, Batch 8. Adriana, you have, you have to do it this time. Oh, I'm, I'm Lindsay now. Yes. Hi, all. <laughs> there you go. We got it. The podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just use different informational and educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it, it's ours, they made it, it's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here.